Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Uh, Mothers, I pray that they would feel a special favor today. Bless them as they, many of them have come to service this morning with their families. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, challenge and inspire us, we pray. In Christ's name, all God's people say amen. 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 You can be seated. Uh, I just want to share with you some memos from uh, a few biblical mothers. And um, Solomon tells us that a godly mother's teaching is not to be ignored, not to be tossed aside, not to be left alone or behind. Rather, it is to be valued like, let's say, an expensive pearl necklace, the real deal, or maybe some other valuable asset that we would protect, we would appreciate. And I know with this being Mother's Day, I recognize the complexity surrounding this this day. While some people have much to celebrate, others find this day to be wrapped in pain. And no matter where you fall on that spectrum, uh, one thing remains the same, and that is the character of God is supposed to shine through godly mothers. The character of God is supposed to shine through godly mothers. And God's word reveals that God is consistent and faithful throughout all generations. How many can say that's worth celebrating? And in scripture, we see his promises worked out in the lives of his people and sometimes showcased or displayed in a mom or two in scripture. And so I want to look at five moms in the Old Testament. I didn't have time to get into the new, okay? Five moms in Scripture that showcase and remind us of God's character. Are you ready? Number one, Sarah. Everybody say Sarah. Sarah reminds us that God's timing is always perfect. Throughout the Bible, God's people are often told to wait. For example, Daniel was told that God's detailed prophecy would indeed happen, quote, at the appointed time. That means you're going to have to wait on it. Okay? We're told by the gospel writers, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. The timing had to be right. And the fact that all things happen in God's time, how many can say that's usually a comforting thought? We write songs about God making all things beautiful in his time. We quote verses about how there is a season for everything. But in the middle of that waiting season, how many has ever said sometimes it feels like God is taking that one day is like a thousand years thing a little too literal. Right? 
probably no one in Scripture knows about waiting on God's timing better than Sarah. Genesis chapter 12, we see God's promise of descendants to Abram, who at that time was 75 years old. And by the time Isaac is born in Genesis 21, Abraham is 100 years old. That means Sarah waited for her son 25 years. 25 years is a long time to wait on anything. Hello. And scripture shows us that Sarah didn't always wait well, remember that? I don't have time to get into that. But how many know we're never told why God made Sarah wait so long? But we are told that Isaac did arrive at the appointed time. And when that time came, Sarah, the Bible says, laughed. She laughed out loud at the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Sounds like perfect timing to me. Psalms 31.15, confess something that we all must admit, and that is, Lord, my times are in your hands. So if Mother Sarah was here this morning, I would have her share Mother's Day sermon. But I think she would remind us God's timing is always perfect. Amen. Amen. All right, number two. Everybody say Jochebed. She reminds us that God's plan always prevails. Jeremiah 29, 11. Let me go what seems like a little rabbit trail here, but I'll come back. Jeremiah 29.11 is a Christian greeting card staple. We all want to claim that, that says God's plan is to give us future and a hope. And I think we can rightfully do that in light of the hope we have in Christ. Yet it's easy to forget the context of that favorite verse in Jeremiah. You know, God gave Israel that promise in light of telling them that their exile into an enemy land would go on for decades. His plans for them would come to pass, but that didn't change their current difficult, challenging circumstance. The life of Jochebed, Moses' mother, illustrates that truth very well. Jochebed was an Israelite slave with no future or hope in sight. In fact, life had taken a turn for the worse with the Egyptian Pharaoh killing all the Hebrew baby boys. And I'm pretty sure it was hard for Jochebed to see God's plan as she had to lay her baby boy in the Nile River to float in a longer burger basket. Maybe not longer burger. Current circumstances seemed pretty bleak that day. Little did Jochebed know that God was at work, fulfilling his plans for a rescue. And in a twist that only God could arrange, 
Her son's life was spared. God eventually called him to be the very one to lead his people from slavery into freedom. And though it would take several decades, probably longer than Mother Jochebed was even alive, but God's plan prevailed despite her difficult circumstance. When God wanted to raise up a deliverer for Israel and Moses was born to Jochebed, God did not want his first years spent in a palace with the professors of Egypt, but rather worked a way that Moses could spend the first several years with his own mom. God obviously thought that a godly mother could teach Moses greater things than the most learned teachers of their day. And despite Moses spending only three to five years with his Hebrew mother and 35 to 37 years being trained by the professors of Egypt, Moses never forgot that despite decades of being taught uh, the many gods of Egypt, that what his mother had said was true, which was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Moses would pin that phrase under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but from his life, it's obvious that it was first taught to him by a godly mother in the first few years of his life. Mom, never doubt your influence to teach your child what is right. Amen? What is placed within them within the first few years We'll never leave them. Isn't that good to know? Come on, church. Isn't that good to know? I mean, they're going to grow up. They have many voices speaking to them, many conflicting views, blitzing their mind. But if they have a godly mother who instilled in them the Scripture and the love for God, it will never, ever leave them. All of Egypt in a lifetime could not undo what one Hebrew mother put into Moses in just the first couple years. Only eternity will reveal the true magnitude of the influence of a godly mother on her children. Amen? So if Mother Jochebed was here this morning, I'd have her preach, and I'm sure she would remind us, we need to celebrate the fact God's plans always prevail. Amen? Number three, I got to hurry. Everybody say, Naomi. Naomi. Naomi reminds us that God always works things out for our good and his glory. Now, some Christians love to throw around Romans eight twenty eight like it's some sort of magical confetti. All things work together for good. But for someone who is suffering, you might intend that to be a spiritual pat on the back, but it often feels more like a slap in the face. If something like that was said to Naomi, I think she would have probably rolled her eyes and walked away. Because famine at the hometown of Bethlehem forced her to go and live in a foreign land called Moab where she lost not only her husband 
but she lost both of her sons. Her name, Naomi, means pleasant. But after all the loss, all that family loss that she experienced, she was so depressed and distressed, she couldn't even bear for people to use that name anymore. She said it probably felt hypocritical. So she says, don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. Her bitterness asked, how could God work good out of all my family loss? But how many know God, like only he can do, did exactly that? You may remember the story of Ruth, Naomi's Moabitish daughter-in-law, who returned to Bethlehem with her through Ruth, God provided provision and a family and a purpose for Naomi. And not only Naomi, Ruth's son would one day be the grandpa of King David. The earthly lineage of Christ, the long-awaited, anticipated redeemer, was going to run right through their family. Why don't... You know, we don't know why God's plan for Naomi included so much family suffering, just like we don't know why God's plan for us includes suffering. But in Naomi's story, we definitely see evidence of God working all the bitter things in her life for good. If Mother Naomi was here today, she would remind us we need to celebrate the fact God always works things out for the good and for his glory. She would remind us God takes bitter things and produces sweet results. She would remind us God takes the bitterness of Calvary and produces the sweet forgiveness and redemption so that whosoever will, let him come. He does what the writer of Psalm 119.68 says, Lord, you are good and you do good. Somebody raise your hands and say, thank you that you're a good God. Praise God. Is this okay? Number four. I don't know her name. She's just referred to as the Shunammite woman. But she reminds us that God often does the unexpected. One thing I love about God is that he often surprises us by doing some unexpected things. In uh, events like the parting of the Red Sea, it's easy to acknowledge that God is obviously in the business of doing unexpected miracles. Centuries now of being a slave in Egypt would cause us uh, not to exactly expect a miracle of deliverance like the splitting of the Red Sea. Reading through some passages of Scripture, we can see that God doesn't always work in the nice and tidy little ways that we expect. Hmm? Just ask the woman of Shunem. After being barren for a lifetime, God unexpectedly makes her a mom. Then he unexpectedly took her son 
only to unexpectedly raise him back to life again. Well, I bet she never saw any of that coming. This mom must have certainly had a hard time understanding all the twists that God put in her path. However, she trusted him through the unexpected twists and turns to be good to her. And she said in 2 Kings 4.23, even after God had taken her son, during that moment in which he was gone, she still said, all is well. All is well. So if Mother Shunem, I'm going to call her that, if she was here this morning, she would tell us we need to celebrate God can do the unexpected. How many may say, I could use a few of those miracles in my house. I could use a few of those miracles in my family. Well, I want to assure you this morning, keep praying, Mom, because God is a God that's able to do the totally unexpected. Praise God. Number five. And I could have Brother Ralston preach this one. Everybody say Hannah. And Hannah reminds us, lastly, God answers prayer. Mm, the Bible is filled with hundreds of references to prayer, both Old and New Testament. One of my favorites, let me jump onto this for a minute, is the parable of the persistent widow over in the Gospel of Luke 18, 1 through 8. Christ told that story to illustrate the importance of coming to God consistently and persistently in prayer. But hundreds of years before Christ gave that New Testament illustration, Hannah, an Old Testament wife, was living it out. We're told that year after year, she would go to the house of the Lord and pray for a son. For years, she did not receive an answer to her request, but she kept asking anyway. She kept pouring out her soul to God anyway. Eventually, God answered her prayer in the form of a baby boy named Samuel. In 1 Samuel 1.27, Hannah says, this boy... For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I ask him of. That was her way of saying God answers prayer. Then she weans Samuel, gives him to the Lord uh, to be her pastor's assistant and to be raised in the house of God, the temple. Now, I want you to notice the contrast of a home with a praying mother with that of a home that lacks a praying mother. Because that is showcased in this story. Because in Hannah's case, she was praying before she even had a child. Her little Samuel would hear the voice of God in the, in the uh, temple, eventually become the great prophet who would be the greatest leader of Israel that was between Moses and David. He would grow up to rule uh, justly and please the Lord. Samuel would eventually anoint young David as king of Israel. This is, this is interesting because Eli, Hannah's pastor and priest, had two biological sons of his own named Hophni and Phinehas. They were the exact opposite of Samuel. But notice, they too had been raised around the house of God by Eli. And they too had learned of the things of the Lord. But they were evil. They were wicked. They were greedy men. 
They would steal parts of the sacrifices that people would bring to offer to the Lord, and they would eat them for themselves. They committed fornication, immorality, right in the very precincts of the temple. Listen, they had a complete and total disregard, disrespect for God, for His Word, for any kind of authority. So God decided to kill them in judgment and to give the lineage of the priesthood to young Samuel. And here's the point. Both of those sons, Hophni and Phinehas, as And the young boy Samuel had the same father figure in their lives. Did you get that? Eli was the same father figure for three of those, for all three of them. But had the same man of God in their life, had the same environment to grow up in. Both had access to everything that God had to offer. But the difference is that Hophni and Phinehas' mother is never mentioned in Scripture. She is never found around the temple. She's never referred to in the story. We don't know where she was, but the contrast with Samuel's mother, Hannah, is obvious. In the verses that tell her story, it's mentioning her praying and praying multiple times. She prayed before she had Samuel. She prayed during the time she was weaning him. She prayed afterwards, so the same father figure, the same opportunities, and yet Hophni and Phinehas die as God rejects them, and Samuel becomes one of the greatest prophets to ever live. The difference, a praying mother. Somebody say that's right. I'm reminding you of the power of a praying mom. It provided a change in the priesthood of Israel that would go on to change the entire nation and now perhaps the world. Wow. Hophni and Phinehas die. They pass from the pages of history. Never more to be remembered, but the prayers of a godly mother change the course of God's people. Now I know some argue. I'm getting ready to close. I know. I know it's almost time for the roast. Some argue that we walk a precarious line when we look to stories like Hannah's to expect God to answer our prayers. You know, after all, sometimes God answers with a no. Yeah, that's true. But it doesn't change the fact that Christ encourages our persistent prayer. Amen, Amen, church. It doesn't change the fact that God wants us to boldly approach his throne. It doesn't change the fact that God hears and answers prayer in Hannah's life and your life and mine. So if Mother Hannah was here today, she would remind us we need to celebrate the fact you can pray because God still answers prayer. All right, says Jones, you can come. You know, how many heard, ever heard the term truth is stranger than fiction? I say that because I want to close with this story. And from what I have read and what has been documented, it actually happened. It's a historic story. It's a real one. And I say that because it's, it's unbelievable. It's the story of Peter Richley. Probably never heard of him. 
But he lived to tell the strangest tale and became to what those people at his day would call him, quote, the luckiest man in the world. The year was 1820, and Peter Richley survived one of the strangest, most harrowing events known to man. The ship which he had been traveling on sinks. He's treading water, fighting for his life, and along comes a ship and happens to spot him and rescues him. But here's where it gets crazy, folks. From here on out, it's crazy. By some strange twist of circumstance, the ship that rescued him, guess what happens to it? It sinks. He's rescued again. Anybody want to guess what happens to the ship that rescues him? The third ship sank too. He's rescued after three sunken ships. He's rescued the third time by the fourth ship. I bet nobody wants to guess what happened to the fourth one. It sunk too. And unbelievably, he has rescued that fourth time, but the fifth ship sank as well. It would, it would have been laughable had it not been so serious. On the high seas, however, he floated with a confidence. God, you must not want me to die. And sure enough, as if on cue, another ship comes by, answers his calls and screams for help. That final ship was an ocean liner called the City of Leeds. It was named after its British city of origin. It was, it was bound from uh, England to Australia, traveling the same sea lane as Peter Richley's previous down ships. The crew of the city of Leeds rescued Peter, brought him aboard, gave him dry clothing, took him in and had the ship doctor examine him, pronounced him fine, and then they asked him an unusual favor. The ship's doctor said, look, there's a lady on board this ship who's booked this passage to Australia. She's going to Australia looking for her son who disappeared years ago. And she's dying and she's asking to see her son. She knows everybody on board this ship. But you're the newcomer. We want you to pretend to be her son. So she can just, because she's right at death's door. Peter agrees. After all, his life had been saved for five times, for the fifth time. So he follows the doctor below deck, enters into one of the ship's captains. There on the small bed lays this frail woman with silver hair, and she's suffering from a very high fever, lots of other. She's delirious. She's crying out, though. And what they can make out is she's saying, please, God, let me see my son before I die. I must see my son. The ship's doctor leads Peter toward the bed, and soon Peter richly begins sobbing because laying in the bed was the reason that he couldn't seem to die. Here was the lifeline that had kept him from drowning five times. Lying on that bed was none other than his own mother, Sarah. 
Sarah Richley, who had prayed for 10 years to be reconciled to her son. The ship's doctor stood in amazement as the young man, uh, Peter, falls down at the bed. He embraces. He says, Mom, I'm here. I'm here. It's me. It's really me. And within days, the fever subsided. His mother awakened and found an answer to her prayer setting at the edge of her bed. Folks, I've, I've searched it out. You can do it as well. That is supposed to be a true story. I want to say never underestimate the power of a praying mom. I don't care if it's been a month or, or 10 years. You may feel like your prayers are going unheeded. It may seem as if the object of your prayers are just suffering one situation after another, but be assured, God hears every prayer of a mother. As we stand together, I want to tell some mom here today, don't stop praying. Your children need you. I want to say your church needs you. I want to say the prayer ministry needs you. This world needs you. We all need the power of a praying mother in our lives. And only eternity will tell and reveal the tremendous effects of such prayer. How many know we need godly women? Yes, we need them to embrace motherhood. But more than that, we need godly mothers to embrace prayer. Oh, it's the power that this world needs. And listen, there is power like no other when we get on our knees. Listen, mom, you may be here and your health may be failing. You may be tuned in online. Listen, when you can't work anymore, when you feel like you can't give anymore, when you feel like you can't serve anymore, when I'm going to tell you there's still power in your prayers. Oh, hallelujah. Now, these five moms I've talked about weren't perfect. How many know, I, I don't know if any mom on earth would say she was perfect. The good news is God's work in their lives went on and produced great results despite all their failures. That's why we can trust him. And folks, that is worth celebrating on Mother's Day and really any other day. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the moms. Thank you, Lord, for our time together this morning. I pray we've been reminded of some truths, some eternal truths that will go home with us today. Lord, I pray that as we gather in these altars here in a moment, Lord, that you would encourage, inspire, and challenge all of us to pray more for our families. In Jesus' name, all God's children say amen. I want our families to come. Would you come? Would you come and just stand across the front? We're going to have a word of prayer. I want us to pray for all the families. If your family's here, I want you to come with your family and just stand across the front. Get as close as you can. We're going to have a word of prayer. If your family's not here, come with your church family. Just come in as close as you can. We're just going to take a moment. We're going to pray together. I don't know. I don't know if there's someone here that maybe you have not embraced Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Oh, you say, but I don't want to do it. It's Mother's Day. Listen, no greater time. 
you could be an answer to somebody's prayer. Is that okay? Praise God. And I want us to just agree together for our families, agree together for our church family. Why? Because, man, we are under attack in this culture. We are under attack. And the fabric of the family needs to be strengthened. And it can happen here this morning. All right? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for our church families. Thank you for the visitors that's joined us today. Thank you, Lord, that you have reminded us that prayer still changes things. Oh, hallelujah this morning, Lord. We, we recognize the fact that your plans do prevail. We recognize the fact that your timing is always perfect. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. And Father, here today, we're coming and we're asking you, touch these families across the front. Touch these brothers and sisters, moms and dads, especially the moms this morning, Lord. The children. God, remind us, remind us, Lord, that you are the one that originated the family unit. And oh, we have an enemy right now that's trying to destroy, splinter the family unit. God, help us to just hold each other up in prayer. Hope, oh God, to hope and to trust and believe and know that you are sufficient for every challenge these families face. Lord, whether it's a financial challenge they're going through right now, maybe it's a physical diagnosis. Lord, maybe it's a, a, a wayward son or daughter. Lord, a prodigal. In the name of Jesus, Lord, give us faith. Let our faith be strengthened this morning. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Strengthen across this sanctuary and this auditorium, Lord. To believe you and trust you again, God. Maybe we prayed that prayer half a dozen times before. Help us to pray it again, God. Help us to believe you again, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let us, oh God, know that you are on the throne. And there is just help a prayer away. Help is just a prayer away. God, if there's one here that's not trusted you as their personal Lord and Savior, that's the person you're here for. You're asking them to surrender everything. Maybe there's a mom here this morning. Maybe she's she feels she's failed. Maybe she feels she's gone too far. Lord, you know you went to the cross for her. You gave every drop of blood you had for her. Lord, I pray that you would just let her experience that forgiveness. Thank you for adopting each and every one of us into the family of God. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. We trust you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. How I trust him. How I prove him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. One more time. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I prove Him. 
Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. These altars are always open. You're welcome to stay and pray. Linger as long as you want to. We're a Pentecostal church. We let the Lord have his way. If you are finished praying, greet somebody. Find a brother. Find a sister. Let them know how great it is to see him this Sunday. Amen. Go in the presence of the Lord. Be blessed. Especially special blessing on our mothers today. Thank you for being here in the house of God. How I trust Him, how I prove Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I prove Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus.